Welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the MediaBias.com. Joining me today is TJ. Yeah. Chris. Hey. <laughs> I got myself a Brent. <laughs> so good to hear that. <laughs> and uh, I'm back in the saddle. Uh, my name is David, and I have a, a two-month-old daughter who's great, but that's why I've been off the air. Returning from paternity leave to talkie talk. Yeah, that's right. I don't know how long I'm going to last. Finally got her out of the house, into the workforce, and uh, he's back. Told her, you're costing us a lot of money. Time to make some of that back. But uh, on today's uh, podcast, we're going to talk about what we've been watching, go through the week's film news if we have it, and then uh, a surprise thing that you are going to have to listen to find out what it is. I want to BuzzFeedify the podcast. <laughs> you won't believe yeah. what's happening next. Number podcast. nine is insane. You won't believe minute 75. <laughs> <laughs> Talking watch list first. Who wants to go first? Okay. I watched a few movies. A lot of rewatches. Um, I was sick one day, so I watched two movies that were very similar uh, about going fast on weird machines. I watched Premium Rush about bike deliveries in New York, starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Uh, the action was actually really good in that movie. But, when, uh, when did that movie come out? The story is awful. It came out in 2012. Okay. Um, yeah, he got, the guy goes and picks up a like a ticket for a Chinese mobster and gets involved in bad stuff. Michael Shannon plays a villain, a dirty cop, hmm. and he does that well. Jogo Lev is good, but... And I said the action was good, but some of the acting was, was real bad in the roles of the people that weren't those two actors. Hmm. Um, but I would recommend it if you like action and like car chase type movies. Uh, the bike stuff was pretty cool. Pretty cool. But then related, I watched uh, the final film by Tony Scott, I think. He's the one who passed away, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, anybody want to guess the final Tony Scott film? Uh, Rush. No. Premium. <laughs> Premium blend. You know <laughs> David? No, I don't. <laughs> Deja Vu too. Uh, Treja Vu. No, but it does reunite him with Denzel for the like 12th time. Uh, Unstoppable? Oh, yeah. That movie? Oh, yeah. I saw that. The Denzel Washington for like a visual effects award, right? It got nominated for something. I forget yeah. what. But Denzel Washington and yeah, Chris Pine are train conductors. And uh, <laughs> it's a true story of a runaway train in like, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. Was flying down the track at like 70 miles an hour and with nobody on it. And they... Catch it by going in reverse. This really happened. Hooked up their train to it, and yeah, it was. It was actually really good. Yeah, there's like some like bend that it's going to go over. It's like just carrying chemicals. It's going to like drop and cause like a chemical spill. They evacuate like an industrial town. Yeah, and they're just going to like crash it there. They try to derail it, but the train's moving too fast. It just like shreds the derailer. Yeah, the derailer is weird. It's just like this. I read a lot about it. It's a little thing they attach to the track. It's like a tiny ramp made of steel. Um, should be like a big sick ramp. Yeah, <laughs> like, it sounds like a like a like a bike ramp out in the yard. I think it's pretty much what it is in X Games. <laughs> big air train. But there's a, a lot. The whole thing is like Chris Pine is brand new on the job, and his dad got him the job. But he's like in a family of rail workers, and he's like, "Yeah, we're gonna use a derailleur. It'll be fine." And Denzel Washington just got laid off. Yeah. He's only got two weeks left on the job. Morgan Freeman style. It's my last day. <laughs> yep, it is like, just like that, man. And he, uh, he's like, it's going to shred that derailleur. And of course he's right. Yeah. Whatever. Um, but it was fun. It was suspenseful. It was short. It's a fun little little action movie. It's very Tony Scott in the way it's edited like it's on ADD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, 
Yeah, I, I definitely would recommend Unstoppable, especially the last film he did. That came out in 2010. Um, and the Denzel Tony Scott movies are generally pretty good. They're, uh-huh. they're not boring, anyway. What else did they do? Did they do Man on Fire? Yep. Man on Fire, Deja Vu. Uh, do they actually stop the train? Yeah. So there's multiple movie titles where Tony Scott just lies to us. I think their first movie together is that uh, Hunt for... No, no, Crimson Tide. Crimson Tide. Was, was, Other was John Q a Tony Scott joint? Pulling it up now. Unstoppable, Man on Fire, The Taking of Pelham, 123. That's a bad train movie. And Deja Vu, so they did five together. Yeah. Mm. That's where John Travolta is a terrorist who takes over a subway train, right? Take of Pelham, 123. It's, it's a remake of Pelham, 123, starring Walter Matthau. No, I think the original was called The Taking. As no, well. They're different titles. Oh, really? And I know they're different titles. So I forget how they're different. But um, it's Pelham three two one. Yeah, yeah. Pelham one hundred and twenty three. <laughs> it's a very loose remake, though. As as far as I've I've watched them both, but it's been a long time. I think the original one have Charles Bronson in it. I don't know. I know that's Walter Matthau plays the. Or no, no, no. I think it's uh, Quinn from Jaws. Robert, uh, someone. Oh, the who's the guy from Jaws? The one who dies. So the only way that's different is they spell out the words, the letter, the numbers one, two, three. The okay. time. Yeah. It's the taking of Pelham. Une, toi. And it is uh, Robert, Walter Matthau, Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw. Yeah. Hector Elizondo is in that movie. Hmm. Before he got hooked up with, with a, on a <laughs> lifetime contract with uh, whoever that director is. Gary Marshall. Gary Marshall. I think uh, Luis Guzman is in the remake. In the Hector Elizondo role. <laughs> I think that's, maybe... I did another rewatch uh, for a movie I really liked, and the last time I watched it uh, was the first time I watched it, and it was during an Oscar run, Yeah, and I didn't feel like I gave it enough attention, and it was in late December when I was kind of burnt out already. Um, so I rewatched Zero Dark Thirty. Uh, it was fucking amazing. Only time I saw that was in the theater. I could pay to do a rewatch of that as well. Yeah, it was, I really loved it. One of my favorites going into the Oscars. Yeah, I remember loving that movie when it came out. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was fantastically done, and I just couldn't remember a lot about it really. So I rewatched it again while I was kind of sick. And it's like uh, Catherine Bigelow, right? Yeah, she's so good. At, yeah, at that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the action sequence is great when they're taking the actual compound. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like the overall story arc too of her not doing anything for. 12 years of her CIA career, except, like, she was one of the people that was just hunting Bin Laden. Yeah. And then, like, kind of freaks out when they kill him. Yeah. Because she doesn't know what she's going to do anymore. Mm-hmm. I liked that, like, subplot. Kind yeah. Of, of, you know, <laughs> your job being finished. Yeah. She's, like, tracking, like, one person who, like, she's convinced is related for, like, 10 years. Yeah, he's a, he's one of the guys who they ended up killing in the compound, too. Yeah. He was living there. That's how they knew it was there. Um, really good lines though I know from watching the Hollywood Reporter roundtables this year where they had all the people that were in Oscar nominated movies good roles Jessica they asked them what their favorite lines of dialogue they ever had was and Jessica Chastain's was I'm the motherfucker who found this place yeah it's her favorite line she's ever said <laughs> um, it is a really good line it's in the same scene with an equally good line to me though which is uh, when they're asking the percentages of Bin Laden being there to the CIA director played by it's gotta be one of the last films of James Gandolfini Oh, yeah, probably. But uh, when he's like, what are the percentages? And everybody's like 60%, 40%. And she's like, 100%. And then they all look at her and she goes, okay, I know like certainty freaks y'all guys out 99%. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's real good. <laughs> um, and then I watched one movie for the first time. 2018 movie. 
Netflix original. I think it was a distribution thing, like most of them are these days. Uh, but starring Ed Harris and uh, Jason Sudeikis and Elizabeth Olsen. Hmm. Kodachrome was the name of the movie. Hmm. Based on the Paul Simon album? Yeah. <laughs> What's that movie about? So, Ed Harris is a... I'll say he's a world-famous photographer, but only as famous as a photographer could be in real life. Like, photographer sure. circles know him real well, but none of us would know who he was. Yeah. He is obsessed, though. Uh, his, like, war stuff and National Geographic work he had done uh, was all Kodachrome. Uh-huh. Um, he thought that was the only way to, like, let light in the right way in photos. And... So is it about the them not producing Kodachrome anymore? So, and- just like in real life, there was one... Um, place that had like a surplus of dye to develop Kodachrome and they were the last place ever that was going to develop it and he had six rolls left he didn't know what they were he found them in his basement and he wants his son who's estranged with Jason Sudeikis to drive him to Kansas to get it developed uh, Elizabeth Olsen plays his nurse and she goes along too is he's got like cancer a, he's dying is it a road movie without being like it is definitely a road, a road movie. So okay cool so yeah. it's Nebraska too uh, it's similar in a lot of ways. <laughs> I feel. Um, Ed Harris is fucking great in it. Real funny. Um, I love what Sudeikis has been doing the past couple of years, too. He's knocked it out in a lot of the movies he's been in. Kind of started with uh, one of the top ten movies for me last year, which I saw at the beginning of the year, was... Um, shit, what's it called? Colossal. Yeah, Colossal. Uh, in my top ten, too. And I've seen him a couple of times since then. He's, he does a good job. He's a good actor. He's got chops. He's good in... Uh, what's the movie? Sleeping with Other People? Yeah, he's great in too. that. With uh, Alison Brie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen also is kind of on a run, I feel like. I thought she was amazing in Wind River. Wind River yeah. last year. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> I don't just, that's not just a podcast thing, by the way. My wife told me she watched Wind River and I just immediately went, Wind <laughs> River. And then she threw you out. Yes. <laughs> That's why I'm here. <laughs> Podcasting in a different house today. 20 minutes ago. No. But I highly recommend that, especially since it's on Netflix. I gave it four out of five stars. It was really good. It's kind of tired. Um, nothing shocks you in it. But when you get a great cast and do something tired, it still works. Yeah. Sure. Uh, kind of see the ending coming, but the stuff on the way is real fun. That's it. I rewatched Congo. It's awful. You kept trying to bait me into watching it. Yeah, <laughs> I bet you won't watch. Probably. I just wanted you to watch it because I knew you'd love the uh, the the technology used in the 1995 movie Congo is hilarious. Do, do Multiple make, uses of enhanced. Do, 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 do they make like a laser fence? Uh, there's a laser fence. There's laser guns. The whole thing is that if you put a diamond into this gun they made, you can shoot a laser that'll blow up anything. I don't know why they made the gun before they found the diamond. <laughs> that seems impossible, right? <laughs> We made this good. We need a diamond. Go find the diamond that makes it work. It's in the jungle. Um, a ridiculous amount of people in Congo, though. It's the only thing I want to talk about. The, the Congo um, cast list. Why are you looking that up? I remember Congo being a good book. The book is ended great. up being a not great movie. Yeah, the book's a really quick read too. Because it's the book is like a thriller. Like you, you never really are confronted with like like ravenous gorillas until. You know the end. The human villains are good in the book, and they're not developed in the movie at all. Yeah, and it's Crichton, so it's got fun fake ass science in it. Yeah, yeah. well researched bullshit. Yeah. 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 So Laura Linney, uh, the the lead male is Dylan Walsh, who I recognize but couldn't tell you anything else he's in. Hmm. Ernie Hudson, Tim Curry, 
John Hawks in a role where he has one line, which is, ah! And then he dies. Uh, Jimmy Buffett plays the plane pilot <laughs> that ejects with him over the jungle and then never see the pilots again. Yep. I don't know what happens to them. Bruce Campbell has a cameo in the beginning. Joe Pataliano, one of our favorites from the first ever Talk of Fame movie. To be pants. And uh, Del Rey Lindo actually has one of the best roles in the movie. He's actually good. He plays like an African warlord. Who directed Congo? Uh, Congo was directed by... Spielsy? Frank Marshall. Oh. Of the Penny Marshall, Gary Marshall family. Yep. Um, Thurgood Marshall? Yeah. I looked at what else Frank Marshall did, and it's it's sad. It's Sarah Marshall. They knew. No one knows who that is. So he directed Arachnophobia was his debut. They did once. <laughs> yeah. So Arachnophobia, which is a decent start. It's a like fun comedy mm-hmm. horror movie. Uh, then Alive, y'all remember that movie about the, the plane crash? The plane crash. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Then Congo. Uh, then Congo was so bad he waited 13 years and he came back with Eight Below. This <laughs> is. He hadn't done anything since then. <laughs> I guess when you do Congo and Eight Below back to back, you just kind of stop doing stuff. I thought he's I a producer though. He's Kathleen Kennedy's husband. Mm. I thought I remember Congo doing like well and being like well received at the time. Uh, no, it's got like a 22% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, sure. He's married to like one of the five most powerful people in Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, it was nominated for Worst New Star and Worst Supporting Actress for Amy the Talking Gorilla at the Razzies. <laughs> uh, worst Supporting Actor Tim Curry, who is very awful. Worst Original Song, which is Feel the Spirit of Africa. <laughs> By Jerry Goldsmith. Worst Screenplay, Worst Picture for Kathleen Kennedy. And worst director for Frank Marshall, but uh, also was nominated for best director and best science fiction film for the Saturn Awards. Oh, Saturn Awards! Saturn Awards <laughs> are so weird. They are a video game based on the film Congo, the movie The Lost City of Zinch. <laughs> Two colons in that title <laughs> uh, was released in '96, but yeah. Pinball Machine also made <laughs> based on the film. The pinball thing, real quick, while we transition to. One of y'all to do a talk list. Uh, Brent, what was it? I can't remember now. The best-selling pinball machine of all time was... Oh, the, the so this is the most bizarre <laughs> trivia fact. The most... Uh, the best-selling... It's like by far. The best-selling pinball machine ever was a promotional tie-in to... Uh, I'll, I'll ask you to see if you know. To what 1991 movie? I just... 1991, I always just want to say Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> that would be amazing. Let's take a wild guess on something weird. Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Oh, no. The answer is the Addams Family Oh, yeah. Movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. I I've actually I've heard that before. I've heard about that pinball machine. It's supposed to be, like, really good. Apparently, it's just, like, the most well-designed pinball machine ever. Yeah. <laughs> and that is, that is like, a, a hole that you can go down for days just reading about, like, all the different, like, builds and just, like... Criticism of pinball machines is just crazy. They keep making new ones, and licensed pinball machines are like the best ones. No one makes like an original property pinball machine. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I'll go next. I have a fairly short watch list this week. It's uh, I watched three movies. One was a 2017 movie, and the other two were 2018 movies. Um, the movie from last year that I watched that uh, it, I loved this movie. TJ's already talked about it on the podcast. I watched Brigsby Bear, and nice. I just can't recommend it enough. It is a delightful movie, and it's it's uh, Kyle Mooney is fantastic in it, and the whole thing is is really really great. Really easy, like obvious to get theme that's done well. Yes, it's yeah. one of two Mark Hamill movies from last year, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, and I'm the more I'm, successful of the two, I believe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's great in it too. Yeah, Hamill's great. Uh, the uh, the parents, I forget the woman's name who plays uh, the real mom, but the uh, the dad is uh, Matt Walsh, who I love and um, fame. Yeah, and others. But uh, Deck definitely recommend. I think it's streaming on Stars right now. Uh, really, really enjoyed that movie. Which I, it doesn't surprise me. I love Cal Mooney's humor on mm. SNL. Me too. And so, if you like Cal Mooney, also there's there is Beck Bennett in it, and he's a, doesn't really have a lot to do in this movie. He's clearly just there because like he's Cal Mooney's best friend. Yeah, yeah. I'll put you in a movie, Beck. But uh, it's uh, it's really well done. Oh, it, who, I'll tell you who's also great in that movie is uh, Greg Kinnear. Greg Kinnear is really good, really yeah. good in that movie. So. Uh, Andy Samberg makes a cameo too. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 really good. I recommend it. Um, I also saw A Quiet Place, which the two of you had talked about, mm-hmm. and uh, I really, really liked the A Quiet Place as well. Um, we started really early last year, and I think it's safe to say that A Quiet Place is the best movie that I've seen this year. It is the, this year. It is the best movie of 2018 that I have seen, and I do admit I, I have not seen many of the like uh, more. Off the beaten path movies that have gotten a lot of attention. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, friend of the cast Al has definitely recommended some movies to me that I haven't gotten around to seeing yet. But. It's up there with Unsane for me so far for the year. I'm not mm-hmm. sure which one I'd put ahead, but they're they're both really good. I, I think A Quiet Place uh, got better for me as uh, as the week went on because uh, I found myself. So I saw it on like Wednesday afternoon, and then I think it was like Thursday night. I found myself still really bothered by sudden, distinct sounds, just out and about, and it, it, I, I couldn't tell why. And it took me a second to realize that I was having anxiety from sitting through that movie. So, just the constant worry of a sound being made. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you. That the movie is a is is the ending doesn't bother me. It's not that bad at all. It's not bad. But the universe building for the first two thirds is fantastic. Yes, that's where the movie is made for me. The the first half of the movie is amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. I had some issues with the ending. Not real. I mean, I, I I liked one aspect of it. I like that they were able to set up a great like closing shot. Yeah, a very an, an amazing closing scene. Mm-hmm. But the only downside for me was I thought they had to in order to set that up. It took kind of a convenient plot turn that didn't make a ton of sense for me to get there and so that was my only issue with it it was to they kind of had the they had the c and they sort of shoehorned in b to get to you know the the last the last scene but uh great movie really great movie mm-hmm. um and then the the third movie i saw this week which i'm actually going to uh just tease for next weekend's podcast. Ooh, naughty. Yeah. Is uh, <laughs> Avengers Infinity War. So uh, I'm going to wait on some of my podcast mates to uh, have to, to see that movie as well. And uh, we can talk about it more. We're going to talk more in depth next week about about that. Give, give people some time to watch it. Yeah, so you guys, you guys have, uh, you know, a little more time to watch it. And, uh, and then tune in to see what we think. Yeah. Um, that's it for movies. I don't think I've watched any TV. So yeah, so I didn't really watch a whole lot this week either. Um, I watched one movie that's been talked about before and then something, a new Netflix TV show. Uh, the movie that, that uh, has been talked about, I think David talked about it 
Um, or no, David just reviewed it, and TJ's talked about it. I watched uh, Girls Trip. Oh, yeah. Out of 10. Okay. I've seen it. Have you had a chance to talk about it? I don't think you have, because mm-hmm. I remember your review is about watching it with a baby and <laughs> like being very pro-girl power. <laughs> that everyone needs their posse. <laughs> yeah, I, I have started doing some very esoteric letterboxed reviews, because I watch stuff at like 3 o'clock in the morning when my, my daughter's up yeah. in the middle of the night. So it'll be like, uh, I think my girl's trip review is, uh, it's a note to Harriet when she's older, about like, always uh, keep your friends close because you're going to lose them as you go along. <laughs> it was kind of weird. Um, but Tiffany Haddish deserves every acclaim she got for that because yeah. she's electric in that movie. She's fantastic. I have a question to both y'all then. Is the blowjob scene as hilarious as, like, that was like... It's, it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. The uh, I won't spoil it, but it's the the grapefruit scene. Yeah, it's 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 funny both when it does the like Chekhov's gun moment, mm-hmm. where like Tiffany Haddish explains to Jada Pinkett Smith's character that like, oh, this is what you got to do, and just like manhandles <laughs> a banana and grapefruit, <laughs> and then later on when it comes back, it's it's still pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, the plot is pretty thin. Um, yeah. It's exactly what you would think about a buddy, a road trip buddy comedy, um, where you know these like this these two people in this friend group are fighting, and there's you know a, the the Damoclean sword that will you know you you know what the plot mechanism is that's going to cause conflict, um, but it's still it's still just really fun. I have a question about Haddish in that movie. So, I think last year, I don't know if I heard about a supporting performance in a movie really more than her, other than maybe... There's Oscar buzz, like significant Oscar buzz. So, I guess that's my question, is that it's clearly a comedic role, I'm guessing. Yeah. Right? Okay. Uh, You know, I know it's really hard for comedic roles to to, uh, get Oscar love, but do you think that one was strong enough to, uh, to have maybe earned it? Because it was just... I don't. I haven't seen the movie, so right. I really don't know. But I just know that when a movie or when a role, when a single role is getting as much attention as the movie itself, I feel like that's a, it makes a strong case for a, a for that to be an example of a, a comedy part that could get a nom. I I think so, mainly because I think from the supporting actress nominees, I thought besides like the top three, basically the. Uh, Holly Hunter didn't get in, but like there's a top two or so of like the dueling moms, Janie and Metcalf. Yeah, right. I thought it kind of got a little weak towards the end of that category. And Haddish won like the New York Film Critics Circle, like their award for supporting, and I thought that was really cool. I also think like like uh, you're talking about comedic roles should get a lot more uh, a lot more notice. Like when you're doing well, I think a lot of times lead performances in those are kind of like the consolation. In like some kind of you know Woody Allen comedy or yeah. some kind of like uh, tragic serious kind of comedic thing, yeah. it's always the lead. But uh, yeah, it's this it made me think of uh, Bridesmaids, the yeah. Melissa McCarthy type thing, and she got nominated. Um, it was that, just a little less mainstream than that movie got. Yeah, because that is that is, and that's the comparison that lots of like. Casual film goers and critics made is this is like the the black woman's bridesmaids, mm-hmm. and Tiffany Haddish plays the Megan McCarthy role of like 
She's she's the buddy in the group who's like the T.J. Miller or the mm-hmm. Megan McCarthy. She's the yeah. Rough Night had that same character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, not to spoil it, but she does get like a semi serious turn towards the end, or like an actual. Uh... <laughs> I was trying to incept David she to bring gets, back his catchphrase. She gets her grace note. There you, you know. go. It's cottage. Kind of a cottage in the <laughs> um, Is there somebody that stands out out of the other three leads for y'all? Regina Hall, Queen Latifah, and Jada Pinkett? Regina like Hall's good, but she's got to kind of play it. She's, she has to kind of play straight. She's playing it straight. Right. Uh, Queen Latifah's good. She's good. I really liked Jada Pinkett. I thought she was really fun in that movie. I do too, and I dislike Jada Pinkett Smith. Yeah, she, has, she doesn't really have a lot that I would say that I like that she's done, mm-hmm. and she's really fun in the movie. Yeah. Um, I would recommend it. It is <clears throat> very funny, very adult humor, mm-hmm. um, and <clears throat> it won a bunch of awards at the ARP, AARP's Movies for Grown Ups Awards. What is that? I'm really, sure. su- I'm really surprised that that movie appealed to the AARP crowd that, <laughs> that well. Uh, well uh, AARP Grown Up, what is that, like a <laughs> really old? Well, to be fair, most of them have a breakfast of just grapefruit anyway. <laughs> it's old person breakfast. <laughs> this is actually pitched to them by the Grapefruit Lobby. That's where most of the funding for Girlship came from. Yeah, it owns the AARP. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I really liked it. I'd recommend it to all you guys. It's just really fun. Fun. Um, and then the thing that I've been watching that's new, uh, that no one's seen yet, is the new Lost in Space show. Um, Kelly and I are about three episodes in, maybe four in. And it's uh, it's really good. It's really charming. Um it's, you know, obviously it's a retelling, but really who at this table or, or who listening to podcasts actually watched the original series. Right. Um, but I'll be honest, I've only seen the Matt LeBlanc movie and me, I, we saw it in the theaters. Too. Yeah. <laughs> it was really bad. Yeah. It's really awful. Yeah. Uh, Gary Oldman as Dr. Smith. Yeah. In a, That's kind of fun though. Yeah. Um, cause Gary, cause Gary Oldman is great. As I sat down guy. to watch it not working. Like, I want to watch the show, and I watched the first scene of them playing Go Fish for 10 minutes, and I was like, nope, I'll watch it later. Yeah. I, th- I think that's just their, like, that's their shot across the bow that they're like, oh, we've got a production budget. Right. Like, because they do, they're playing Go Fish in zero gravity, and so they're, like, slinging cards to each other in, like, the zero G, and, you know, they make fun of Will Robinson because he puts his helmet on, and people, like, they're playing Go Fish, so they see in the reflection, like, the cards that he's playing. Um... But yeah, it's really good. The um, the robot whose name I tried to find everywhere, but the robot's name is Robot, uh, is really cool. Um, Neat. It's hinted early on that it might be like a of alien design and can like assimilate uh, because it scans Will after he like finds it and saves it, and then like its form becomes more human. Um, Parker Posey is really great as a they they've gender swapped the the role of Doctor Smith. Um, which is, I think, fine because Dr. Smith was just like a con artist. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really neat. The universe building, I think, is the most effective part. You kind of get little bits and pieces in flashback form of why they had to leave Earth. Um, so it's like Lost. But yeah. In, but, yeah, but in space. space. <laughs> 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 but it's... <Yay. laughs> But like to the point where they're like they're flashing back to, to kind of help explain why this like sixteen year old girl is like a medically licensed doctor. And it's you know there was like batteries of tests they all had to go through and to be cleared to travel to Alpha Centauri. Like it's 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 basically it's implied that 
Earth has some kind of death sentence that everyone needs to leave, but they're only taking the best and the brightest and the people who have utility. Um, and so Parker Posey as Dr. Smith kind of like like frauds her way on board. Um, she plays sociopath really well, so I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing her. It's weirdly enough, my favorite, or my most memorable Parker Posey role, uh, probably before this, because this is, it's really good, it'll stick with me, is uh, in the, the Superman movies, the Superman movie with Lex Luthor, Kevin Spacey's Lex Luthor. Yeah, Superman Returns. Yeah. yeah. I think she's really good in that, like, manic psychopath. Um, yeah, I was actually thinking of her in, what's it called, the movie about the neighbors of the Kennedys? You remember that? Um, it's called... Chappaquiddick. Uh, it's a bizarre movie. It's called... Sorry, guys. Is it called Chappaquiddick? No, no it's not Chappaquiddick. The House of Yes. Mm, it's a 1997 like, indie movie, Sundance. Um, it's weird. It's two siblings that like pretty much get off on having sex, recreating the Kennedy assassination. Sure. Like you do. All right. That sounds it's, like a Parker Posey role. It's weird. <laughs> the but, thing I think of Parker Posey is just the, the last thing I saw her in was Our Beloved Columbus. She's in that. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, this is always go back to days best in show. Um, mm, yeah, yeah. Obviously, you don't know my dog. <laughs> yeah. Busy, uh, busy bee, right? Yeah, busy bee. But that's pretty much all I watched. Uh, but I, I would recommend it. We're going to stick with it. Um, I wouldn't have fallen asleep on the couch a few times uh, today. We probably watched more episodes. Uh, we rewatched Super Bad, but whatever. It's a great movie. But I've got nothing to say about it. Cool. Fair. Yeah. Well, I have a whole bunch. I'm not going to go back two <laughs> months worth, but I have seen a lot in the past week. I'll start with uh, TV. I haven't heard you guys talk about it. Is anyone current with the uh, this season of Atlanta? No, no I'm, I'm going to start current, soon. Current-ish. I will say Cassandra last night told me that, or two nights ago, told me that uh, it is her second favorite TV show of all time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the best thing on TV right now for me. And it's doing really fun stuff with the narrative. If you may have heard of the Teddy Perkins episode, yeah, yes, it's really, really good and really, really weird. It's, it's this weird, like Get Out ish style plot where with Lucky Stanfield, yeah, and and <laughs> Donald Glover is in whiteface. Yep, and uh, the less you know about it, the better. It's, yeah. it is uh, genuinely weird and great and weirdly funny. Yeah, the last episode I saw was The Woods. Uh, was that the last one that the, aired? The one with Paperboy in the Woods. Yeah. I've heard, uh, I've heard that compared to Pine Barrens, which is like the greatest Sopranos episode. Which yeah, see, like Lost in the Woods or something. Yep, it's, it's a great. They've done a lot of great uh, taking one character and like the rest of the show is the rest of the characters are off doing something else. Yeah, uh, Van's got a great episode where they go to Drake's house. <laughs> oh, I've heard about that <laughs> New Year's That's party. One yeah. Teddy Perkins is uh, uh, Darius. Darius's episode. Paperboy's got one. Um, the Earn ones are pretty much. A huge bummer. Yeah, <laughs> but they're great, especially the the Helena, Georgia episode at the German Fest is great. Um, the one that just aired was uh, a Pajama Jam Party. <laughs> they go to Statesboro, Georgia, to play like a college show, and uh, some stuff comes to a head. But it's it's uh, some of the most like surprising TV on this scale of like uh, you know TV people talk about. Um, uh, some other TV. I've been watching some garbage. I'm, I'm not going to talk about all my rewatches because I'm watching a lot of TV, having a, <laughs> uh, a newborn. But 
I've been. Uh, I'll give some some love to a, a ridiculous show on Sci-Fi, The Magicians, <laughs> which you've talked about before. Yeah. <laughs> that it's embarrassing to watch. Which is, if I'm up late at night with with the daughter, it's perfect timing for it. <laughs> but before it, she's old enough to judge you, <laughs> yeah. I read the books like uh, years ago, and it's like uh, it's like Harry Potter, but with like college teens. So they do like. Drugs and stuff like this. I think cool. I'll talk about that part. Mixed with like uh, Chronicles of Narnia, they find like a Narnia type world, and uh, the first season this kind of plays it straight. And after that, they kind of like play it for uh, a little bit of like uh, we know this is ridiculous, which is pretty enjoyable. Um, it's it's yeah. like the first couple seasons are on Netflix, so they're real easy to uh, binge. Are, are they like magicians in this in like in the world of? With our physics, or are they like wizards? It's a, it's in our world. Like, there's this uh, secret school, just like uh, Hogwarts and stuff. But uh, they do some decent world building about like there is magic out in the world, and uh, but the people are magical. Yeah, they learn magic. Magic not, has always they're not like a real life music. It's not like a like oh, no, they, a they school have for real life magic. They have some some genetic. Oh, okay, yeah. gotcha. Okay, right, but you can learn it. You know, to a degree, some people are better at it than others. But there's just some world building. You get, like, a lot of financial institutions are built on, like, these magical algorithms that keep, like, people in power. And there's a thing in the Ruby Snap episode where magic in the universe gets turned off. And, like, the uh, chaos that the world gets thrown into from that. Mm. And they have to kind of figure out how to turn it back on. It's kind of fun. And I just started watching a show that's on BBC America. Uh, I heard a podcast talk about it and uh, really enjoying the first couple episodes Killing Eve you guys know oh, this? yeah yeah it's Sandra Oh from Grey's Anatomy is in it but it's other than that it's entirely British show about trying to catch this female assassin who's, who's out there and uh, the unique part of it is it's actually written by uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge who did Fleabag if you guys ever saw that I never saw it but I'm yeah, she's, familiar with it yeah she's like a unique British comic voice in this like uh, assassin serial killer show so a lot of it's like really funny unique dialogue and stuff in this kind of murder by numbers British show nice and the female assassin is this person uh, I forgot her name Julia Comer or something Jody Comer Jody Comer that I've never heard of before but she's really great at the you know we've seen sociopathy and like you know being a hit woman before or a hit man but she plays it, uh, it's a really unique take on it. She's really, like, uh, excited by being followed, but not in, like, a, oh, I'm, you know, I'm John Doe Three 7. Chase, yeah. But more like, oh, my gosh, she knows about me. And, like, trying to, like, reach out to, uh, Sandra O is almost like a fan. She kind of, like, geeks out about more, it. More flattered by it than anything. Yeah. And they have this uh, kind of connection. But that's a lot of fun. Is she a... So she's an assassin and not a serial killer? Well, I mean, one man's assassin is another man's serial killer. I mean, like, is she killing people of importance, or is she just... She, she's a hit woman, so she gets contracts to kill okay. people. Right. Yep. Uh, and then I saw a whole bunch of movies. Uh, I'll just keep it to the past week. We'll go a little bit farther than the past week. I finally caught up with... I accelerated my timeline. Saw Star Wars The Last Jedi. Whoa, wow, ago. nice. Yep, I rented it. So, where do you stand on that? I, I liked it a lot. Yeah. yeah. I have this, uh, there's a guy at work who's like a huge, uh, 
huge Star Wars fan. So he's, got he's like generally a... insufferable. <laughs> well, I was like, sorry, Chris. <laughs> I always talk to him about it when like trailers come out. It was like, I want his take. Like, yeah, the guy who works in. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he was like, he was so angered. He was one of the guys who was so angered by the movie. It's like, how do these characters do this? It's like a portrayal. And going into it, it's like it's just a fun movie. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I think a lot of people have some amnesia about what Luke was back in the day. They definitely do. Yeah. Yeah, he was always like a little bit... A little whiny. Whiny, insufferable, a little petulant. Yes. And to me, it, it tracks. Like his, yeah. the, the arc that we don't see is where we, you know, pick him up. They also have decided that they have 40 years of theory on the Force is fact. And they have written the movie in their head. And, and they, they decide they know how the Force works and what can and can't be done. And when, yeah. it, when it breaks that, they go, nope, this isn't real. I mean, people like, the, the for example, the, the complaining about Leia being able to use the Force while in space. And I'm just thinking, well, that seems to me to be the easiest place to use it. Because there's no resistance of any kind. You're in a va- the vacuum of space. It seems to me if you even have a little little tiny ounce of force magic or within you, that's the place where it could most easily manifest. Yeah, and if you're going on like dumbass midichlorians and shit, she's technically got whatever Luke has. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and when the last time we saw her was forty years ago. We've also a- seen her use the force before to communicate with Luke at the end of Empire Strikes. Across Back. Yeah, across, across space. space. Yeah, but also I really like the uh, the Ray and um, Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren. Oh, those stuff. Those great. yeah, especially when like the sound drops out. Yep. And the, you're you're cross cutting the backgrounds. I thought it was really well done. It's clever. Yeah. And I agree totally. Uh, I think it was in your top ten, Chris. Yeah. Maybe you were talking about it. Uh, yeah, it's like one of the most visually beautiful Star Wars movie. I think you could probably just say it is. It is yeah. the most visually beautiful. And I think that now, now that it's been enough time, I don't know if we talked about the moment in particular, but people have had time to see it. The coolest scene to me is the hyperspace jump. Yes, the self sacrifice. Yeah, that L- Londo is that her name? Yeah, I'm, no, uh, I'm, character, you yeah, I'm, I'm forgetting. But that like hyperspace jump already. through the Star Destroyer, Holda, yeah. It's yeah. just so fucking cool. And they, they yeah. do the same thing. They drop the sound out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just like silence and this ship just breaking apart about, in a streak through the through space. And how about that throne room fight scene? It might be the best fight scene cool. in every Star Wars movie. It's so damn good. Yeah. And it's so long. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so well choreographed. It's off so well. Yeah. It's like it's, before that, my favorite, it's not a great movie, but The Duel of the Fates. Oh, yeah. With, uh, yeah. It's up yeah. there. It's also like a 15-minute fight. Yeah. It's just, but with both movies, the big problem with them is that they keep cutting away from them. Right. Because they have to parse out the action. And what they get cut away to is just like, okay, like the casino planet, like fine. Like I didn't hate it as much as a lot of people did, but I just wanted to get back to the throne room. Right. As Mm -hmm. soon as they cut away. I think the casino, I've seen it twice now. Have you seen it a second time? No. I've seen it twice, and the casino scene plays much better the second time because as you're first watching it, you realize that the casino scene is just kind of a side quest, and you, as you're watching it the first time, you really just want to move the story along, and you you want to get to you the get next back to that other stuff. You want to get back to the other stuff that you that. have a lot of questions about. Yeah, and if you watch it the second time, knowing how the entire story plays out, that scene is not. It's still not great. It's still the weakest part of the movie, but it's. Uh, I think it's it it plays better. Okay, the yeah. second time. Plus, I love the uh, I love the new characters, and especially love in this movie the addition of Rose. I think she's awesome. I really like Rose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she had one of the best lines in the series. Even the you know we don't win by killing the things we hate; we win by saving the things we love. I think that's yeah. a great 
It's a great line. Great, great Star Wars. Yeah, Star Wars ass line. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So besides that, I uh, I ran through some Marvel blind spots that I, that I hadn't seen before. Fun. Um, oldest one. Uh, I never saw Avengers: Age of Ultron. I know that's a big, uh, uh, often pilloried Avengers yeah. movie. I thought it was decent. Yeah. I the worst Marvel. Yeah, the worst MCU movies are decent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I wouldn't even. I don't think I would put that with the worst. I think it's. I agree that it's decent. The only thing for me is that I think my had set my hopes so high based on. What was a fantastic trailer with James Spader's uh, Ultron? One of Ultron, the best, one of the best trailers voiceover with the, with when he's, music. the Pinocchio song yeah. that he's he's just quoting the words to. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the big sins of the movie is that kind of like James Spader should have like flown off the movie as like owning that, and he really doesn't. No, I still really like when he does get to be eccentric Spader as Ultron. Yeah, but he doesn't really get too often. Like him killing himself. And then walking back on screen as like a different Ultron bot is like fun <clears throat> James Spader ass stuff. Yeah. It also reminded me that uh, Scarlet Witch used to have an accent. <laughs> <laughs> yep. She used to have a very strange uh, like 1980s Russian accent. <laughs> but uh, that, that, was, that was decent, better than I thought it was going to be. I also saw Thor Ragnarok and Spider-Man Homecoming within a couple days. You know, I liked both. Both were fun. Yeah. Thor was really funny, and Spider-Man, uh, the Spider-Man guy's pretty good. <laughs> I think Homecoming was my favorite of 2017 MCU movie. Was that mine, right for you? Mine as well, yeah. And I loved Ragnarok still. I mean, it was hilarious. Yeah. I watched it twice already. It's real fun. I put Ragnarok just slightly higher just for the humor. It's just, it was one of my favorite comedies of last year. We got a spaceship. Do you want to come? <laughs> yeah, the, Korg is great in that. Yeah. The pressing of the, the mysterious button on the... On, Goldblum's plane is uh, <laughs> one of my favorite moments of last year. The, Put the point break reference. The, it's my birthday. Played well too. Yeah, we're trying to figure out the password, and then uh, Hulk's password is strongest adventure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Besides that, what else did I see? I saw two movies from uh, last week. Two movies from 2008, 10 year anniversary. I saw um, Yes Man. Yeah, that's a the movie. Jim Carrey movie. Yeah. I remember Bradley Cooper. Yeah, right. Bradley Cooper's Zoe Deschanel, right? But uh, Yes Man, uh, it's an interesting premise that really wears thin because of Jim Carrey. Yeah. And there's a real, like, kidnapper vibe Jim Carrey has with Zoe Deschanel. I don't know whether it's the age gap or the energy chasm between them. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a huge energy, energy chasm. <laughs> yeah, I forgot Terry Stamp was in that. Yeah, he's, he's pretty Weird. fun in it yeah. as, like, the kind of the guru. I read the memoir of the guy it's based on who did it for a year. Said yes to everything. So is this a is this a decision to say yes to everything in the movie? I've yeah. never seen it. It is, yeah. In the, okay. in the movie it's it kind of like he makes a deal with the universe, and there's something like he says no to something, and something bad happens. So he's like, oh, now I have to say yes to everything, kind of forcing his hand. Okay, and it, it plays out like you think. Part of it's you know kind of fun, but uh, the other one that it was a lot better that still held up was uh, Role Models. Robots. I love that movie. Surprisingly good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Especially love Sean William Scott and uh, the the kid, I think Bobby Jackson or something. He may have just been a Sacramento Kings point guard. <laughs> he definitely was that. <laughs> the kid kind of looks like him. Kid's really funny. Kid swearing is always really funny. But yeah. yeah. His, his special power being the booby man. <laughs> Bobby J. Thompson. Bobby J. Thompson. Yeah. Be able to like stare at boobies all the time. He's really funny. <laughs> And uh, Paul Rudd's fun. He's kind of a stick in the mud character, though. But yeah, get some nice one-liners because he's Paul Rudd. I, I love it's a fun ending. The the 
they love Kiss the whole yeah. movie, so they go cosplay at like a what's it called? LARPing. Yeah, they go LARPing. They don't call it LARPing, but it's like it's yeah, like it's that. that. But it was a real fun payoff. Yeah, them all charging into battlefield dressed up as Kiss. All right. Yeah. And I just I love Sean William Scott describing uh, talking about pinball. He's got a Kiss pinball in there, and Bobby Ray Thompson um, is like, "Who are these guys?" And I'm like, oh, those guys are the best. They wore makeup and they got all the chicks. There's just four <laughs> Jewish guys. <laughs> and, it, and he's like, oh my God. <laughs> I, I really love Jane Lynch in that too. She's great. It's like the the little brother, big sister. Yeah. The, the mentor who's just yeah. like, just inexplicably. I mean, she's, she's playing the same character she played in 40 Year Old Virgin. Yeah. So it's. She's obsessed with bullshit. Like, don't bullshit a bullshitter. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you guys are trying to bullshit me. <laughs> and I really like. Um, Joe Latrulio, he's he's one of the LARPer guys. Yeah, yeah. And he's just like real serious. Talk about uh, it's the realm of Xanthia, and Paul Rudd is Lunesta. The <laughs> 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 Lunesta to sleep, perchance to dream. Huzzah! And just like leaves. He's just Joe Latrulio's got a real funny energy in it. I recommend it if you, if anyone has never seen it before. That's like one of the funniest scenes in that movie is in the beginning when you're getting introduced to the two main characters and they. Uh, Paul Rudd is like going through the, you know, motions of for Minotaur, the energy drink company, at like mm-hmm. a school talk, and Sean Williams got to the Minotaur outfit behind him, like into it. <laughs> for some reason, that always made me laugh. He's back there, he's just like, yeah, taste the Minotaur. <laughs> Two rewatches. I won't talk too much about them. Guardians of the Galaxy. I saw it today. The first one, still really good. Yeah, Drax, one of my favorite MCU's. Yeah, Drax really slays it. Yeah. Um, we saw a really funny interview with the head, the cast of uh, MCU, basically, mm-hmm. and Chris Pratt was on there, and Conan asked him, uh, if you could explain what happened in, for the past 10 years with, with the Marvel movies, what would you do? He's like, well, I'd tell him, you know, start out with like Tony Stark and Iron Man, and like a bunch of stuff, and then it gets really good with Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> you know, it's everybody's favorite. <laughs> Anthony Mackie had a really funny joke in that interview when Conan asked him about the internet theories that Captain America's superpowers are derived from being a 99-year-old virgin. <laughs> Those are theories. And like the, the cast laughs and there's kind of weird silence and Anthony Mackie goes, that was definitely written by a virgin. <laughs> it's really funny. Wish fulfillment. Whatever happened to the weird like uh, romance that was going to be set up between Captain America and the blonde girl from uh, who's in the TV show Revenge? Emily Van Camp. Emily Van Camp. Remember, she's, like she's in one of the forty-nine. Uh, she's in Winter Soldier, right? Yeah, yeah they, they set that up at the end. She's like Agent Carter's daughter, right? Uh, Agent Carter's yeah daughter. Granddaughter. granddaughter, 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 granddaughter. And there's that. Yeah, they kind of set that up in that movie, and then I don't think they touched it again. Like, that's that's, that's another movie. That's Civil War. Winter Soldier. It's the weird her and him and Scarlett Johansson and Winter Soldier uh, running around together. Yeah, I don't think they ever talked about it again. Period. Uh, yeah. There's only been a couple of movies since then, so yeah, that's true. Anyway, I saw Scout Pilgrim versus the World again. <gasps> it was so on, good. and then I just pressed like on Comcast. You can just like restart it. I was like, yeah. "Yep." Yeah, it's one of those movies. If it's ever on TV, it's just like, "Yep, that's what I'm doing for a little yeah. while." It's it's so good. One of the best. Al Larson, always forget Brie Larson. Allison Pill's so great. She's yeah, so great. I think I said in my letterbox review of my rewatch, it's like I have a new favorite thing every time I rewatch it, and this one was the Vegan Police. Yeah, <laughs> it's like Thomas Jane and uh, I think Clifton Collins or something. Just when they take away when they de-veganize one of the evil exes, yeah, them yeah. doing a little running high five in the yeah. background, <laughs> and it goes yeah. <laughs> 
it's just in the background. It's such like a little little fun joke, and it just made me laugh. Yeah, um, I was hanging out with our friend Brian the other day, and we were at the bar, and the Clash of Demon Head came on, like the background music at the bar, and I was like, "Hey, it's Clash of Demon Head," and Brian looked like it was Christmas. He goes, "You know Scott Pilgrim?" <laughs> he got so excited. <laughs> Music's really good. Music's I forget fantastic. how good it is. And I was looking at the credits. I forgot that uh, Beck co-wrote pretty much everything. Yeah, oh, nice. That makes sense. Yep. He co-wrote pretty much everything. And uh, Brian Lee O'Malley, uh, the the graphic novel uh, creator, mm-hmm. he he had most of those songs at the end of one of the volumes as like, hey, if you're ever reading Scott Pilgrim, you want a soundtrack, here's a bunch of songs. And it's like the Plum Tree song that's on the soundtrack. Yep. and. Uh, Great soundtrack Sloan, to that movie. Bunch of, bunch of Canadian like pop rock, which is neat. Yeah, other people writing for it. Broken Social Scene does all the Crash and the Boys songs. Yeah, and which... Metric does the uh, uh, Clash of Demon Head songs. Yeah, and co-wrote those or wrote those. <laughs> I just love the the first uh, Crash and the Boys song. <laughs> so sad. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, is it uh, Kieran Culkin? Yeah, He's so funny, Wallace. As Wallace. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, it makes me want to watch it again right now. Yeah, Aubrey Plaza is really good. In it yeah, too. and last last thing I will talk about, I watched something on uh, Filmstruck uh, randomly. Nice. I saw on Filmstruck something. It's Filmstruck is so uh, daunting sometimes. Yes, it's got yeah. so much stuff in it that it's got this little list of things leaving Filmstruck. And I saw this movie I'd never heard of called In a Lonely Place. Mm-hmm. It's a Humphrey Bogart movie. By uh, Nicholas Ray is the director. It's like a 1950 movie. Um, he's more famous for doing Rebel Without a Cause. Mm. Oh, okay. Directing that. But in it, uh, Humphrey Bogart is uh, a screenwriter who's like a real asshole. And he's accused of murdering someone. It's He's the last person to have been seen with this girl who ends up being murdered. And uh, it's really interesting because of how unlikable the movie makes... Humphrey Bogart, who's like a huge leading man mm-hmm. and was like a big bankable star and how kind of uh, skeevy and uh, not not quite evil, but like uh, nihilistic, they let him be. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, not to spoil it, but throughout most of the movie. And there's like some lingering doubt on there of like, uh, did he actually do it? Did he not do it? And it's uh, got some fun performances and... You know, it's just taking a blind shot at uh, Filmstruck. It was a really kind of fun movie. Nice. I, I would recommend it, especially if you only know Humphrey Bogart as like Rick Blaine mm-hmm. or like a, uh, like a suave, suave kind of anti-hero that's really a hero. It's a real different look. There's an amazing scene in the middle of it where they go through like he's a screenwriter who does like murders, like uh, you know murder movies, like whodunits, mm-hmm. and he's like, if you would have done it, what would you have done? And he goes so deep into like the uh, the behavior of a killer that it just like freaks everybody out. Is a amazing piece of acting right there. Worth it for the price of admission, which is a portion of whatever you stream it for. There's a movie called the uh, I think it's called the Kane Mutiny. Is that the Humphrey Bogart movie? Yeah, where he plays kind of a bumbling uh, naval officer. Mm-hmm. It was real fun when I saw it for the first time too because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, watching like Out of Africa and Casablanca and shit. Yeah, it's fun watching these kind of like lesser known uh, movies where you kind of see some different shades of these like, you know, Hollywood icons. You associate them with something. Yeah. Well, there's this funny thing I saw on, uh, you know, just hovering on Filmstruck, seeing all these things. Like Peter Lorre is one of three main leads of a movie called like The Secret Agent. 
It's like, who is the double agent? It's like, it's obviously Peter Lorre. <laughs> he just <laughs> always looks like he is doing something he's not supposed to. But uh, that's all I've seen. This is a good bit of good bit of business right there. Yeah, yeah. Reality Roundup. Reality Roundup. Which I think is just Survivor right now. I haven't yeah. dove into the new season of the challenge yet. I haven't been watching. We just started the the Champs vs. Stars. It's we're current for it. I I like the format they're doing. Yeah, it's a lot better because because the champs would just trounce the stars the last two seasons. Yeah. So this year they're mixing them up so that they're like group performance stuff. They have to work as a team with. Uh, they did like a you know schoolyard draft. Yep. They're okay. they're a team, but they're still the inner team thing of like all the challenge people within the team are trying to save all the challenge people. And it's still within each team it's, you know, champs versus stars or whatever the versus is. MTV people versus quasi celebrities. Mm-hmm. It's it's just fun. But Survivor. Survivor. So uh First off, David, what do you think of the season so far? I've uh, the season was kind of a little nondescript for me, but I agree with you guys. At the merge and stuff, I, I loved the uh, Dom Chris <laughs> thing, and I'm loving the the Dom Wendell and how it's affecting the rest of the group as like they're trying to run stuff. And I love the Splinter Rebel girl group who is kind of like, especially in this last episode, I believe yeah. they, they kind of like ran the shit yeah. behind, behind the scenes on it. I thought this past episode was a like fantastic, like I'm, like what's the word I'm trying to think of? Like, there's no better way to like get yourself played out as like a, 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 mas- a master class yes. in bad strategy. <laughs> yeah, she fucked up so bad this this yeah. past yeah. week. Uh, yeah, I feel like she's like caught too. Yeah, it's like when you're. It was so sad. You, you bluff so terribly, you just got to keep bluffing through it. Yep. And her exit interview was so sad when she was just like, they knew I was lying. <laughs> she was like, what could I do? And I was like, yeah. I agree. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, not do it in the first place. I yeah. Mean, that was the, don't get caught like that. Which yeah. is, it's really turning into the most powerful people in the game because no, I don't think many people realize that where their loyalties stand are uh, Donathan and... Laurel. Yeah. I think those two are are the power... I think a lot of people see Wendell and Dom as the power couple yeah. that are out there, but in reality, I think Laurel and Donathan are the power couple. Well, apparently, on the podcast that Al listens to, they talk about how, like, the people that are getting vetted off aren't really aware that Laurel and is kind of partnered up with Dom and Wendell. Right, and that's what makes them, I'm saying, the power couple. Yeah, and that Laurel is kind of... They're doing a really good job of keeping that yeah under wraps. Under, under wraps. I mean, obviously, because uh, Desiree told her. I mean, straight she, to Laurel. She went straight to Laurel and thought she could get Laurel in on their on her plan. Why wouldn't you go straight yeah. to? You know that they're trying to vote Michael out. Why wouldn't you just go to Michael and be like, "How do we want to go about this?" That should be your first and really only person you go to. Yeah, I'm willing to help you do this. What do well, we need to do? Also, not just be like, "Hey, everybody, let's do this." Also, I really did think that uh, uh, Kellen. I, I thought Kellen was going to be one of my favorites this season. Like, not my my personal favorites, but like a favorite to to do well and win. But I'm starting to think she's too she has too much tunnel vision when it comes to the game. Oh, like when she, she just, took Dom aside and went, "I want Michael gone now." Yeah, she the girls want her gone now. Unbending. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you can't. That's not a way to win. Right. You got. I, I laughed out loud at that though when Dom was sipping his coffee when she was like yelling at him two feet from him. He was going. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, also, like, props to Michael for surviving another week after, like, God, what, man. ten votes against him? I really want him, really want him to win. And he's gotten second place in immunity challenges the last three weeks. Like, he can't get immunity. He's my favorite, for sure, of, of pulling for him to win. Also, I keep uh, forgetting how young he is. Yeah. How, he's how, so smart. That's because he's lying about his age. <laughs> Who would you have guessed on this season was the youngest uh, female? Uh... Desiree? It is Desiree. Yeah. Oh, wow. Surprised me. She's 22. Uh, I would have picked she's, Louis I'm sorry, she's Laurel. 22 now, and they filmed this last, uh, like, early 2017. She, the, the, her huh. temper last episode reminded me a little bit of, um, who was, uh, what was her name with the Michaela? Michaela, yeah. yeah. That just, like, I'm going to make a, a big, bold move, and it's like, why? Why are you doing this? No. You know, like, you'll laugh at this. In her pregame interview, guess who she compared herself to? What former survivor? <laughs> Michaela. Michaela. It's so just, she like, went out the same way. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, just like, I, I get people who are like, I don't want to be dragged along. I need to make a move. But like, why don't they, why hasn't, why haven't people been choosing smart times to make those moves? Yeah. Like, I feel like people are trying to just like, make a move just for like, good TV yeah. It, yeah, it does. It did feel like that this last episode. And her, her like, uh, trying to mitigate that problem was, like, the most insane thing I've ever seen. But, yeah, but what do you, what do you do? Yeah. Especially, like, walking up to, uh, Dom and I forget who he, Dom was talking to. And it's like, oh, you guys are talking about me. Let me just, like, be really obvious about this. <laughs> yeah. Let me make sure that, that, that Dom has no aspersions about, uh, how hysterical I'm being about this issue. Uh, I do like the uh, that they did plant the seed in the previous episode because Desiree gets her gang of girls together and mm-hmm. goes, hey, I know they want to get rid of so-and-so, but we could just control the vote and vote out you know, this person now. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that that was going to be, I said on this, that I thought that that was going to be like a running theme that they were going to stick closer together the... Sebastian, uh, Chelsea, Desiree, and Jenna click. Um, and it seems like they still kind of are, because Kellen is now like... She seems like she's speaking for them when she says, like, the girls want Michael gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know how much power they'll have for much longer after that crazy shit happened. Mm-hmm. More, yeah. more, more electrifying Ghost Island action. <laughs> God. It's such a bust. I mean, it's a the the initial concept was great, and then the execution of it was just awful. I yeah. think the producers just need to start. I guess it's just real shitty odds, because like the last couple ones, nothing has really happened. They just need to like stack the deck. It's like, all right, we need to. If we're gonna do that, let's give out idols. It's like now it's three out of three. Is there chances? <laughs> I think what would be really fun is just to, and I mentioned this last season, was to just uh, kind of as you distribute the idols. Mark them differently as these can only be used at certain tribal councils, and like this can only be used when there are. And they did that to an extent with like Dom played yeah. his legacy advantage when yeah. there were only thirteen people left. Have one, have an idol that can only be played at nine, or have an idol that can only be played at you know eleven or whatever. And I think that makes it a little more interesting, so that people aren't just hoarding them. And also, maybe decisions get a little bit better too. Maybe you force these people into doing less dumb things. So who was in the Ghost Island? Was it Kellen? Angela. 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 Angela went this yeah, she played the game. Did her game. no vote make a difference? No. No. I, f- I, didn't, I forgot what the vote break It was, was an 8-2 vote. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> Angela had no vote. Chelsea and Desiree voted for Michael. Okay. 
Chelsea and Desiree. Well, Ch- I think, so I think, wait, what's her name? Didn't even vote for Michael? No, Kellen. No. Kellen. <laughs> That's how crazy Desiree was. Though. Kellen. Yeah. Kellen yeah. was overwhelmed by Desiree lying to her when it when it dawned on her during trouble. Probably yeah. that she she just had to get Desiree out. Everybody yeah. knew that. Right. Yeah. Desiree had her on a hit list. So it was it was Donathan that made the difference. I think Donathan Donathan was the one telling her like, I was there. She said it. It's weird that she never went to anyone else. She. It's weird that Kellen never checked with anybody except Desiree earlier in the day. Again, yeah. Kellen does too much tunnel vision. Very a poor feel for the game. The other highlight moment on the show was when uh, Des went up to Kellen and Dom, and or Laurel and Dom, I think. And she was like, okay, so here's the deal. Like, of course we're getting Michael out, right? Any more of the questions? No? Okay. And walked off and Dom just goes, that was a bit manic. <laughs> I love yeah. Dom. Dom yeah. came on strong at the beginning, but I'm loving Dom. Yeah. I like Dom a lot, too. Still my favorite is Wendell, though. Wendell not not a ton of Wendell in this episode, but just like his uh, his just execution of Chris and his, <laughs> his rapping is like yeah. an all-timer for me. Yeah. And I'm to the point now, I was talking to Al about it, where I think if Michael... Um, Laurel, Dom, or Wendell. As long as one of them makes it to the final three or four, or whatever they do, I'd be shocked if somebody else wins. I think if one of those four makes it, I think they win. I, I think it'd be interesting, and they kind of hinted at this this past episode, but I think it would be interesting for Michael to team up with Wendell and Dom, basically thinking like there there seems to be a frantic obsession with getting strong players out. So strong players may just need to band together in this game. Yeah, and they're not doing a good job of getting rid of strong players. No. They're they're making emotional calls and getting rid of like liars. And especially it's, from like the manicness of like the rebel girl for lack of a better term, the rebel girl group that yeah. wants their own people. Michael could go to Wendell and Dom and say, like, it's only a matter of time before like you're next. You know, they outnumber you guys and your alliances. Yeah. And, are know, either to the girls or, or tenuous. Yeah. Might be smart. And then Laurel and Donathan are always going to do what's smartest for Laurel and Donathan. Yeah. I feel like. Yeah. yeah. Donathan's coming on strong in this game. Better than I, more than I thought he would after the first few weeks. Great social game. It's hard not to just smile at that guy. Yeah. <laughs> what 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 game is Sebastian playing? Oh, uh, just like... <laughs> like Scrabble? <laughs> just off on the side by himself. Tic-tac-toe in the sand. <laughs> He's playing like a, a just a dude game. What's, it's really weird for him to, to for no one to be talking about him at this point in the game because this is the point when people like Sebastian start being viewed as huge threats. But I'm wondering if he's just like so dumb that no one even considers him like no one has a problem sitting next to him at the final travel. He also with with the with the lower food rations this season, he also might be like a a provider to keep around, kind of like a you'll make it to the final five, but you're not going to win. I've heard in interviews that. Even though the producers are not focusing on the lack of rations, it is it has been a huge deal. Yeah, uh, yeah. They started talking about it last episode. Yeah. So it could be. But yeah, Sebastian is just uh, I keep forgetting he's there. Doorstop. Fucking idiot. With his mouth hanging open. <laughs> Shaka bra. <clears throat> anyway, survivors uh, we're getting we're getting to the home stretch. Yeah. Which is fun. yeah. And good, uh, two people going home, home this week, apparently. Oh yeah. yeah. I don't know how that's gonna work if it's uh it doesn't look like it's a double episode. It looks like they're sending two home at travel. Just like a double vote would be crazy to watch. Yeah, I wonder idols, if they're going to let them. Uh, immunity idols just flying. I wonder if you write down both names that you want gone, right. or if you write down one, you have another tribal. It'd be fun if it was the top two vote getters. Top two vote getters. Because, like, know. how do you plan for that? Right. There are also um, 
five men and five women left. So I wonder if it could be one of each. Uh, mm-hmm. That would be weird. Makes it the end of Michael. I don't know. I if feel they like can he, unionize. He's got such staying power. Just the way that he's been able to like Go on the gain and weasel. Yeah. yeah. I do get the feeling we're seeing that. Uh, I, I think my prediction for this week is we see the Kellen Michael thing finally come to a head. And a, a, a victor is decided in that. Or they both go home because Kellen was a target of the, the rebels last week. That's true. Someone Especially. who they thought was instrumental to the Dom-Wendell uh, alliance, who I don't think she actually is. Um, I just think that she's a good whip for her group. Um, but send them both home. Get get rid of the conflict the way that you got rid of the Chris conflict. Yeah. I imagine it's going to be a real intense um, immunity challenge. Yes. Yeah. Especially with them knowing two people are going home. I wonder if that's going to be like... My guess is they'll be a crazy. If, if two people are going home, we might see double immunity. We might see men battling for immunity and women battling for immunity. If see, do they do that ever? It's happened, I think. I, I would be interested though if it went the top two vote getters because that makes an individual immunity idol much more powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, you're nullifying two potential votes. Um, is like Wendell who's held on to his forever and I don't think anyone knows that Wendell has one I think he's one of the people who's been very smart which but is Laurel does maybe Laurel Don does, does. Uh, maybe right. yeah I've lost count yeah Dominic or uh, Donathan has a yeah everyone knows everybody, knows, that everybody now, knows it yeah everybody help me get it <laughs> it's literally the only contestant out there who everybody else would just do that for him yeah. they'd be like oh it's cute Donathan has an idol now <laughs> We'll probably play it just next one. I've never play it to save someone who's not going home. Yeah, I'm wanting to play it. <laughs> not a ton of breezy on the streets this week, though. Really, um, Movie Pass is kind of big news now. It's starting to change its stuff a little bit. Uh, they've gone back to when I started Movie Pass five months ago. You couldn't watch repeat movies, and they have brought that back. Though now there's no more no repeat viewings. Mm-hmm. For movie pass, but uh, nothing on the amount of movies you can see yet if your grandfather's in. Okay. But there's definitely a lot of talk about how it is in the terms of services that movie pass reserves the right to change the number of movies associated with yeah. it. Yeah. Just like at any point, you can cancel it. Right. And be on the lookout if you have movie pass, be on the lookout if you get signed up for iHeartRadio because you get three free months of iHeartRadio and then that starts charging you $10. You're just automatically signed up. To a ten dollar a month subscription fee to iHeartRadio. If you sign up in the past couple of weeks, even yeah, there's talk that they may just go ahead and do that for all subscribers. Weird. I don't. Okay. <laughs> sure. So, like, how do you get people to go to movies since people don't go to movies anymore? I know we'll couple it with a radio app <laughs> since no one listens to the radio anymore. It's, They're uh, going to ship you new vinyl records. I mean, it, it is an interesting uh, experiment, and just like how much of a pain in the ass can a company be, and still like and like because they offer an amazing deal and an amazing product. Yeah, it'd be like if, if Netflix showed up at my door at the end of every month and like had a new contract for me to sign, but I had to be here for it. Just <laughs> like, why are you going like jumping through this hoop of making everyone like hate your entire like corporate structure especially if you have plans to possibly hike the prices at some point in time i would think you'd want to engender as much goodwill as you can yeah but and just be like so sorry guys you know it's we want to continue providing this but 
We're going to have to go to fourteen ninety nine a month. Yeah. And people will be like, okay, it's worth it. Because right. Netflix raises their prices, and people still pay it. Yeah. And Amazon's raising its prices, and people still pay it. But, you know, jerking people around, signing them up for paid subscriptions to iHeartRadio is not going to make people want to give you that as extra 5 or $10 down the road. Yeah. So, yeah. anyway, keep an eye. Just basically all we can say is stay, like, just keep on top of MoviePass news because it yeah. changes weekly. But, you know, for now, it's still a really good deal. Yeah. MoviePass.com. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, a few movies coming out this weekend. One's a horror thriller called Bad Samaritan, starring David Tennant and Robert Sheehan. Hmm. Um, I saw the trailer for this. This looks kind of fun. I think it's like a, um, a valet takes like a smart car home, and like plugged in there is like home, and he, he gets in there. And it's David Tennant's car, and when the guy gets there to like rob it, it's Robert Sheehan from Misfits, who's like wildly charismatic yeah. Irish actor. And when he gets there, there's like a woman who is this is all in the trailer, a woman who is like behind bars and has been held captive. Huh. You realize that uh, he broke into a home of like this psychopath, played by David Tennant. Cool, David, David Tennant plays a great psychopath. Yeah, yeah. It's um, also the much looked forward to remake of Overboard. Ginger Swap looks overboard. so bad. It looks awful. It looks so bad. It looks pretty rough. Eugenio Derbez plays the the man who goes overboard in this one. <laughs> Anna Faris and uh, Eva Longoria. Oh John yeah, in it too. It is. It's just it going to be full of like Mexican stereotypes and jokes, just like making fun of people from other countries. Yep. It's, he works construction in the trailer. He got him working construction. Yeah. That that is a movie for a population in this country. That is not 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 well, for me. Not in this room. <laughs> uh, and also, I've been looking forward to this movie for a while. Tully, yeah, comes out this me weekend. Too. The kind of it looks like a very indie, weird Mary Poppins esque movie. Yeah. Um, Charlie Theron, Mackenzie Davis, Mark Duplass, who's weird in everything. Uh, and Ron <laughs> Livingston, he was not weird in Zero Dark Thirty, but it was very weird that Mark Duplass was in that movie at all. Yeah, I kind of I'm I'm drawn to the team here. Isn't this Jason Reitman? Yeah. And then Diablo Cody wrote it yeah. in uh, Charlie's Theron. It's, I think, wildly underrated movie, Young Adult. I saw Young Adult. Young Adult was so good. Yeah. And Patton Oswalt was fucking amazing in it. Yeah. I saw the trailer for this, and I was like, I don't know if David's going to love this movie or hate this movie. Allison saw the, uh, my wife saw the trailer for it and said it looked really good. Because it's about, it's about a, a pregnant woman who already has two kids, can't really handle the stress of, of raising a kid, and is currently pregnant. And so they bring in Mackenzie Davis as like a live-in nanny... And just just to make uh, uh, life easier for uh, Charlize Theron, it's getting criticized heavily by a lot of like female activism groups. Yeah, um, for the way they kind of attack mental health and motherhood, and you know, women instead of men in that role. Yeah, well, but, yeah. Uh, whether it's good or bad, you know, I just I consider Diablo Cody movies to be worth checking out at least because they're unique. Yeah, it's probably yeah. worth seeing the movie too. I think a lot of that stuff happens before anyone sees anything besides a, yep. a trailer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm really... I love uh, Mackenzie Davis. Big shout out to Halt and Catch Fire. Everyone mm-hmm. should watch it. He's great in that. She's great in that. That was actually the big drawing point for uh, for my wife. As watching me watch Halt and Catch Fire, she loves Mackenzie Davis in that. I just looked her up. She's listed as a character in Blade Runner 2049. Who did she play in that movie? She's she plays the, the prostitute. Prostitute who... Oh, yeah. Joy, yeah. 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 Yeah, okay. So, uh, kind of a tough decision for me this week and what, what I would send you to go see. 
But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna between pick overboard Tully. and yeah between overboard and overboard. <laughs> Good Samaritan seems interesting. I haven't seen any press for it. Bad Samaritan. Bad yeah. Samaritan. Check out the trailer. It's probably a, a fun dumb horror thing, but it looks interesting enough, and I like the leads in that. Yeah, I'd probably go Tully though. Maybe yeah. it's a little too close to home right now, right. but love the team and love the actors in it. Yeah, I'll go Tully as well. Jason Reitman hasn't really done anything good in a while, though. That's the only scary part. Yeah. Uh, I'll pick Tully, too, just because I'm the, not really sold on... I know nothing about Bad Samaritan, and uh, Overboard is almost a guaranteed you got to stay for route. Tully when she lands that plane on the Hudson. <laughs> I, I, do need to, <laughs> do need to, I do need to see Overboard at some point so that I have a, a good contender for my bottom five for 2018. Whenever we <laughs> That's a good that. contender. Yeah. Just, just stay up to date on your Netflix originals. Yeah. And you'll get there. That's pretty true. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take Tully 3. Uh, it seems interesting. I'm getting kind of irritated with Diablo Cody scripts, but you know, hopefully it stays above board. Yeah. The ones pl- this Not the ones that are serious, but the ones where it seems like she cares more are really good. Like Juno's great. Young Adult is great. Jennifer's body is even fun, you know. It's it's it was supposed to be that type of campy doing. movie, and yeah. it's fun for that. But I don't know what else she's written. But yeah, so that's Talkie Talks recommendation. Go see Tully. Tully, if you haven't heard of it. Tully, do and uh, that'll do it for us. That's it. Um, David, do you want to do the outro for? Oh my gosh, OTS. I'm gonna try off the dome. So this was Talkie Talk, the podcast for TheMediaBiased.com. Please visit the site and see our stuff. Check us out on uh, our Facebook groups. we got a Twitter. we got Facebook uh, pages as well. Uh, also, you can email us or Gmail with any uh, comments, questions, or concerns uh, that you have. And um, do we say anything else at that point? And want to say thanks to uh, Willow Walkers for writing intro music. Willow Walkers. Willow Walkers. And thanks to Boo Reefa for providing the outro music. Boo Reefa. And rate the podcast. Let and, us know. Oh, yeah, that's right. You, and you can help us a lot by giving us a review, rating us, and definitely subscribing instead of uh, listening download by download. Yeah. And I uh, want to say thanks to you guys, and thanks for letting me join in. Yeah, thanks, David. As a, as a yeah. guest star. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes, long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know. All the things that I know.